<clears throat> Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15. <clears throat> A while back we bought phones and we bought the insurance policy on those phones. And it's a good thing we did because uh, just a few months after, one of the phones ended up in water. And uh, we, <clears throat> I tried to dry it out and I tried to do what I could do, but it had gone to the, the phone heaven in the sky. And uh, I had to send it back and they replaced it and uh, sent us a new one. You know, I'm glad that I didn't have to pay for that phone. I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ has paid for salvation. And he has given us a promise that if we put our faith and trust in him, he'll give us the gift of eternal life. Some people have compared it to a last will and testament. Uh, maybe you received an inheritance from a relative that passed on. Once that will goes out of probate, you can't change it. It's a settled, done deal. God has made a promise. He made a promise to Abraham, and that promise still applies today that blessings come to God's people through Jesus Christ. And so uh, the promises of God, they're so important. Um, we need the assurance and the peace that comes from understanding that God has made some promises that he will not fail to fulfill. Uh, God always keeps his promises. And so Paul is, is arguing here, and he's, he's using the law because his, his enemies, the Judaizers, had come in there and said, hey, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. And they're saying, no, no, you don't have to fulfill the law to be saved. No, the law comes uh, later than the promise, in addition to the promise, uh, but it does not replace the promise, and it does not uh, negate what the promise meant. And so, uh, by the way, did you know you're saved not based on performance, but based on God's promises through Jesus Christ? We, we, we don't, we're not, I'm not going to heaven because I somehow have been worthy enough or good enough. Praise God, I'm going because... Jesus died for my sin and rose again, and God made a promise that if I'd repent and put my trust in him, that he'd save me and give me eternal life. It's a promise of God. And so promises are what we kind of stake our lives on in the Christian life. The word of God, the promises that we have. Hebrews says it's an anchor for the soul. And so uh, we want to put our trust in God's promises. And so uh, the title of my message is The Importance of God's Promise. And this is a specific promise of God that God made to Abraham through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Uh, so look with me at Galatians 3 and verse 15. Brothers, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside or makes additions to even a human covenant that has been ratified. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And I'll say this, 
the law which came 430 years later doesn't revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God and cancel the promise. For if the inheritance is from the law, it is no longer from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. And so why is the promise that God made to Abraham so important? I want you to see several things. It's important for us because it's being fulfilled in our lives through Jesus Christ. Um, the first thing I want you to see is its endurance. The promise's endurance. If you look at verse 15, he says a human covenant just can't be changed. And if it doesn't matter what culture you look to. If you look to the Jewish culture, or if you look to the Greek culture, or the Roman culture, there's a point at which in all of these cultures, once you reach a certain point, a will and a testament couldn't be um, uh, changed. It was, it was set in stone. Uh, the word used for covenant is also used of testament, a will and testament. And so, um, also, you could kind of think of it as an agreement. A covenant is an agreement between uh, an individual and another individual, or an individual, in God's case, and the people of Israel. Uh, or, it's sometimes it can be God's own promise with no conditions to fulfill on the other side. And that's the case with Abraham. God gave Abraham an unconditional promise. Now, imagine that you and I had made an agreement, and I've told you I'm going to pay you $100. And we'd put that in writing. And I was supposed to come and bring you that $100 in two months. And I come to you in two months, and I say, here's $50. And you say, wait a second. We had an agreement here. You're supposed to pay me $100. It's right here in black and white. You signed an agreement. What are you trying to pull, Roger? And that would be absolutely right because we understand that a human agreement, a human contract, can't be set aside. There's a covenant of marriage. You know, the Bible says we're covenant of marriage till death do you part. <coughs> but the Bible, though the Bible says that, sometimes death separates them, right? Till death do you part, death. Sometimes you may have weakness or, or something like that that keeps a person from keeping their promise. Uh, um, perhaps it's sin that keeps somebody from keeping a promise. And so you can, you can have those things. But with God, God's perfect in his character. He can never break a promise because it's his character to be faithful. God will never be too weak because he's omnipotent. God never gets sick or gets tired. He's eternal. So his promise will always stand. So the endurance of the promise of God uh, lasts even up into our day. And so when God said to Abraham... Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This was a promise that would last forever. Now, um, the law came hundreds of years later. So what Paul is saying is, why would the, the law make the promise null and void? God said the blessing comes through a promise. Now, they didn't understand that that seed was specifically talking about 
ultimately talking about Jesus Christ. It's true that the the nation of Israel was used, and the word was used, and oftentimes is translated collectively uh, for the seed of Israel. But the fact is, there was a certain seed of Israel that that promise was ultimately looking to, and it was Jesus Christ. And so, uh, this promise that blessing would come through Jesus Christ is something that cannot be changed. It endures forever. Aren't you glad the promises of God endure forever? Aren't you, aren't you glad that when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that that lasts forever? Aren't you glad that when God says, if you put your trust in me, I'll give you eternal life, that that lasts forever? Aren't you glad when God says, I will help you? Uh, I love that scripture in Isaiah. Uh, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. This is a promise of God. Cannot fail. It is eternal. Well, especially the promises of God that come to us through Jesus are eternal. And so Paul says, look, we're saved by the promise. Um, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Put your trust in the promise of God. And it's not only the promise that Paul quotes in Romans 10 that I just quoted to you, but it's the promise that God made to Abraham. Blessing through Jesus Christ was always God's intention. He's going to talk about the reasons and the purposes for the law here in a moment. Uh, but, uh, and we're not going to get to that tonight, but the fact is, this enduring promise is so important. And so, Paul says, look, you can't require circumcision for salvation, because God made a promise to save us uh, through Jesus Christ. So, you're saved. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved. (laughs) Uh, No further keeping of the law is necessary to get to heaven. Once a person is saved, it's a gift, right? The wages of sin and death, the gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But here's something else to think about. The promise also includes abundant life. Sometimes we think of these scriptures only in terms of salvation, and it does apply to salvation, but it also applies to the abundant life because, what does he say? Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Did you know that every blessing that comes to you as a child of God comes to you because of Jesus? It's not any personal worthiness that I have in myself or that you have in yourselves. Every good and perfect gift that comes from above comes to us because of the grace of God. And so uh, we need to put our trust that God will keep his promises. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll restore the fellowship. Uh, We need to to trust that when we uh, approach him in prayer that the way is open. Why? Because that way has been made open through Jesus Christ. And so uh, we trust that God will help us to draw near to him uh, as, as, we, as we seek to do that, and that he will draw near to us. Why? Because it's part of the promise. To Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So the abundant life, the, the joy unspeakable and full of glory, the peace that passes understanding, all of it comes to us because of God's grace. Have you ever felt before like you were 
you were trying to earn God's favor. You don't have to earn God's favor. You have God's favor if you're a child of God. God's favor is yours by promise. And so Paul is trying to get get them to think of it, not in terms of her performance, but in terms of an unconditional love and acceptance through Christ. Jesus paid the price. And I get to enjoy the gift, right? Um, I remember when I was uh, younger, I'd, uh, I'd asked for a Walkman for, Christ- for Christmas. Some of y'all know what a Walkman is. And it's uh, back, oh, well, never mind. When the, my kids think it's when the hills were formed. But anyway, uh, my parents surprised me and they got me a stereo system. It was a gift. I got to enjoy it. I was so excited. I, that was probably the most surprised I ever was on a Christmas morning when I walked out and I was expecting a little thing like this with some earphones and there's this big stereo sitting there. And I was like, uh, and, uh, and I, I would just thrill. But see, I didn't have to do anything for that. I didn't have to go then and work it off, right? Because it was a gift. This gift that we receive, which is eternal life, but also the abundant life that we receive. Isn't it great that the Bible says His mercies are new every morning? Listen, praise God. If you blew it yesterday, today's a new day. You got a clean slate with Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Um, So, base your hope of eternal life on the promise of God. But base your hope of the abundant life. On the promise of God. God doesn't bless you because you deserve it. He blesses you because he loves you and he's promised to do so. So, uh, the importance of God's promise, first of all, is its endurance. Secondly, the importance of the promise is its person. Its person. Look at verse 16. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed or concerning his seed. He does not say into seeds as though referring to many, but... Referring to one and to your seed, who is Christ. Now, so, so Paul's connecting the dots for him. He's saying the seed is Jesus. Okay? Uh, and he says, I didn't say to seeds, but to, to seed, to your seed, singular, all the nations there will be blessed. Well, people, people look at this in different ways. I've heard, I've read... Some say, well, this is a collective noun. And yes, it is a collective noun. Just like our English word seed. If you say, I'm going to get seed for my field. Every one of us here knows that we're talking about plural seeds. Right? Where it's more than one. Um, <clears throat> if, uh, if I give every person in here a sunflower seed and say, hey, we're going to plant a sunflower today. That would be a strange thing to do. But if I did that and I said, get your seed. Well, you would know I was talking about an individual seed, right? Based on the context of what I was saying. Uh, But here's the interesting thing. Uh, In Hebrew, there is one little thing called a yod that you can write in in a word that has a pronoun at the end of it. Don't worry about it if you don't understand that. But basically, if the yod is there, it means it's plural. And if the yod is not there, it means it's singular. And so even though it's a collective word, 
uh, it can be shown to be singular uh, in form by the absence of the yod. Now, even when it's singular in form, sometimes it's used in a collective way. But see, Paul's point is it is in the singular form. Now, there are cases where seed is in the plural form in Hebrew. There's, so so this, this point isn't just a point he's making uh, out of the air, but he's saying, look, it's, it's singular. Why did God put it in singular? Because he could have inserted the yod there if he was just talking about Israel. Why did God leave the yod out as, as he worked through Moses' pen? Because God had a greater significance than just the people of Israel being a blessing. Though it was true God was going to use Israel, there was an individual seed yet to come whose name is Jesus Christ. And he is the one who is the source of blessing for all the world. Do you, do you see that elsewhere? Do you see it in the promises of God? You see that God says to Moses, there'll be a prophet like you, Moses, who's going to come. People of Israel need to listen to him. You get, uh, you, you remember, if you rewind back to the book of Genesis in, in, in chapter 3, verse 15, it says, The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. You fast forward past the time of Moses to the time of David. In 2 Samuel 7, you, you hear God tell David, Your seed will reign over Israel forever. And so there's this expectation, and the Jewish people understood that seed was going to be the Messiah. Uh, and so this idea of this individual that was going to come um, was just throughout the Old Testament. This expectation was looking forward to this one, this individual, because they were a mess. They didn't obey God in the wilderness. They didn't obey God when they got in the land of Canaan. That first generation did okay, but they still blew it. But then... but. Quickly, they, they departed from God, and they were ultimately in captivity. And they're, then they're in captivity, and then they come back from captivity, and they blow it again. And, and there's this expectation, when is this individual going to come to set things right? That individual is Jesus Christ. And so that's why there's so much excitement when Jesus is born among those who recognize him to be the Messiah, because finally... This individual we've been waiting for has come. Paul says that's the seed he's talking about when God makes his promise to Abraham. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so the importance of God's promise is, is in who, who it's talking about. God's saying you're going to be blessed through an individual. Now, I can be blessed through, and I have been blessed by many of you at different times. And some of you through your prayers, some of you through a word of encouragement or whatever it may be. But there's one individual who can bring the kind of blessing that God wants to bring, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is showing is it's always been God's plan to save people through an individual whose name is Jesus it's always been God's plan. The Mosaic Law is, is just a temporary provision to prepare for Jesus. It is not a replacement of Jesus. Jesus was always God's plan. And that's why this promise was given to Abraham. So the person, why is, it, why is the person of Jesus so important? Well, because Jesus is unlike any person that has ever lived. He's fully God, fully man. And one person. 
And because of who he is, number one, he lived a sinless life, which satisfied God's requirement. He died the death that we deserved and took our penalty upon himself and fully satisfied it. Every sin, past, present, future, was laid upon Christ. By the way, all our sins were future to Christ when he died, right? But he still died for them. So when I am saved by the blood of Jesus, that means that he has paid for every sin so that God's blessing can come to me based upon his righteousness. The Bible calls that justification. He justifies and clothes me with his righteousness and blesses me with a blessing that I don't deserve, which includes eternal life, but it's not limited to it. Every blessing, if it's a service of God, are you blessed to serve God? Are you privileged to serve God? It comes because of the grace of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Are you uh, experiencing joy and fellowship with God? It comes to you because of the grace that you find through Jesus Christ. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is the promise of God. Every blessing that God wants to give to you, that desires to give to you, and the future blessings yet to come. Then you really get excited when you start thinking about that. No sickness, no pain, no death, no heartache, no grief. What a wonderful thing that will be one day. Our bodies will be fully healthy. We'll have a, a glorified body. Uh, it's going to be amazing. But every single blessing from now throughout eternity that comes to us, comes to us for one reason and one reason only. The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary's cross. The person of Jesus Christ is so critical. And that's why God made the promise to Abraham. So the, the person who is involved in this promise makes this promise so important to us because Jesus alone can bring salvation. Jesus alone gives the abundant life. We receive it by faith. So, the importance of the promise, why is it important? It's important because of its endurance, its, its person. Thirdly, it's time. Look at verse 17. And I say this, the law which came 430 years later, that, that, uh, the 430 is a reference to the uh, the time that Israel spent in, in Egypt uh, that God had predicted. He says he doesn't revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God and cancel the promise. So in other words, hundreds of years later, the law came. The law that came through Moses doesn't make the promise that God made to Abraham of no effect. Blessing doesn't come through the law. Blessing comes through the seed. And so the time and which it's given is important because God is saying, look, I'm going to begin to save souls through my promise even before the law is written. You remember when God made this covenant with Abraham, what happened? He fell into a deep sleep, right? He's nodding off. He's, and, and God goes through, what they do when they made a covenant, they would cut an animal in half and they... The two parties would walk between it. The kind of the idea is, may I become like this animal if I don't keep my part of the, the bargain? But Abraham doesn't walk through the pieces. Only God does. And the idea is, God says, Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you 
that is based not on your worthiness, but is based on my goodness and my grace. And so God starts off with this kind of covenant because that's always been his plan. Only later did the Mosaic Covenant come. So the time of it happening, and by the way, Abraham was saved through the covenant of God, uh, and he didn't have to do anything. He's, he's asleep. He's not even a part of the covenant, right? God's making the covenant. Now, he does receive that by faith, but God saved Abraham by faith before Moses penned the first word of the law. Before Moses went up on Mount Sinai, Abraham was saved by faith. That's Paul's point. He says, look, I want you to understand the time is important. And by the way, Genesis 3.15 also points to this, doesn't it? The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. What had happened? Sin had come into the picture. They'd been cast out of the garden. They had received the, the curse upon the, the earth and, and, and upon their situations. And, and God says, look, though this has happened and though this is hard and though this is a time of great grief and great sorrow, I want you to understand I have a plan and it's going to come through the seed of the woman. Mary receives a message from the angel. You're going to have a child, and he's going to be the Messiah, the Savior of Israel. How will this be since I'm a virgin, she says? The Spirit of God will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that this child that is born to you will be called the Son of God. You see, it was the seed of the woman who came to save us. His name was Jesus Christ. This was always God's plan. This is Paul's point. He's saying, how can you say the law is necessary for salvation when God saved people before the law was ever written? By the way, did you know Jesus is called the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? Before God ever said, let there be light, like we talked about this morning. God said, I'm going to send my son to pay the price for sin. To save the souls, not just of the Jewish people, but of every nation. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is my plan. And so the time, the, the, the promise is important because of its time. It shows that God's plan was always salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. No performance would ever be enough. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Only a gift of grace brought about through Jesus Christ would be enough. And so when you think about salvation, salvation is by grace through faith, but when you think about the abundant life and the Christian life, lived out in service for the Lord, it's by grace through faith. It's all because of Jesus. Now, yes, we can quench the Spirit through our sin. And we can, we can break the fellowship through our sin. But the Bible says the moment we confess that sin to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that fellowship is restored. Uh, so God begins to bless us. He doesn't say, okay, Roger, you've blown it one too many times. No more abundant life for you. No more joy. No more peace. I, I'm never going to use you again. 
So sad. No, God doesn't do that. The Bible says in 1 John 2, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for you. When you blow it, when you fail in your weakness, in your trouble, in your temptation, whatever it is, Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding for you. And as you confess and as you repent and as God restores you, he gives his blessing. Not because you deserve it, but because of the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of Christ. Um, So it's time. The importance of God's promise. First of all, it's endurance. Secondly, it's person. Thirdly, it's time. And fourthly, it's opposition. Look at verse 18. For if the inheritance is from the law, it is no longer from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. So what is, what is he saying here? He's saying it's either the law or the promise, but not both. You, you can't have it both ways. <clears throat> either you work, you perform, you're circumcised, like the Judaizers are saying. You, do, you cross all these these items off your list to get into heaven, or it's by grace because of the promise. You can't have it two ways. It's either or. There's no mixture of the two. I can't tell you how many times. Sometimes as we go out in the community and we ask people about salvation, you know, what do you believe it takes to get to heaven, and, and they will begin to share with us. Sometimes they'll say, well, if I'm good enough, and you know, if I do more good things than bad things or so forth, they're saying, they're saying performance. It's very similar to what the Judaizers are saying, the law. Um, But sometimes they will say something like this. Well, believe in Jesus and uh, do more good things than bad things. Or believe in Jesus and go to church. Or believe in Jesus and be a kind person. What are they trying to do? They're saying both and. See? Paul says, no, it's not both and. You can't have it both ways. It's either or. There's an opposition. The law is opposed to the the gospel in the sense that the law says if you do these things you'll live by them. The the gospel of grace says if you put your trust in Christ you'll be blessed because of your trust in Christ. But you can't be blessed both ways. There's one way of salvation. And by the way, even under the law you were saved by grace. Grace. But the covenant of the law was a covenant of uh, you do these things, you're blessed. You, you don't do these things, you're cursed. And so uh, it, was, it was a covenant that God made with the nation, but they were still saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You know how I know that? Why are, why are there sacrifices? If... They could perform well enough under the law to please God. Why is is there a need for sacrifices? Isn't the very fact that they had to keep offering all these sacrifices evidence that they were blowing it and failing and were not performing? What did did Jesus say? You've got to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. God says in the law, you, you need to obey and follow in all the words of this law. All the words of this law. Listen, there's not a single soul that's breathing that's ever filled, fulfilled all the words of the law. All the law can do is condemn. 
if you're trying to, to, to do a performance salvation. But you see, the law wasn't meant to be an end of itself. It was meant to point to Jesus. It was meant to show us our inability to live for Christ and our need for Jesus, the seed through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so... <clears throat> Uh, its opposition is an important thing to understand. It's kind of like me saying, okay, I'm giving my kids a gift at Christmas and saying, okay, here's your gifts. And they're like, oh, thank you, Dad, thank you, thank you. And I say, okay, go mow the yard. You've got to mow the yard because you, you can't keep your gift unless you mow. What have I done? I'm trying to mix a gift with a wage, and you can't do that. Either it's earned or it's a gift. It's not both. See, that's where people get, they get the misunderstanding. They think that if, if I do good enough, I'll get to heaven. By the way, that's the difference between every other religion and Christianity. Every other religion is performance-based. Christianity alone is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's one of the most wonderful truths in this world. <clears throat> Not of works which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us with the washing of the water of the word. Uh, and uh, it's, it's an amazing thing what God has done for us. The importance of the promise. Why is it important? It's endurance, it's person, it's time, it's opposition. Listen, don't put your trust in anything else but Jesus Christ for your salvation. Don't put your trust in anything else besides Jesus Christ for your acceptance. Some Christians don't feel accepted. You are accepted. We're accepted in the beloved. I read that somewhere. Why? Because it's a gift. Don't try to earn God's favor. Recognize that you have God's favor. Now, you want to please God? That's great. Do things for God. Serve the Lord. Fine. But don't do it to try to win his favor. Uh, do it because he has shown his love to you and has granted you his blessing through the promise. And, uh, <clears throat> and as you do that, you will serve with joy. Why do people so often have such a drudgery in their service. They're trying to measure up. So many of our relationships are performance-based, but you don't need to measure up. Jesus measured up for you. <laughs> Isn't that great? The pressure's off. Enjoy yourself as far as in your Christianity. Enjoy the, the joy of the Lord, the acceptance. You've been adopted into his family. You've been reconciled through the blood of Jesus all your sin has been washed away and buried in the sea of forgetfulness. Every new day, God is extending his grace and his mercy in your life. Thank him, praise him, glorify his name for what he has done, and serve him out of a heart of gratitude, but not to win his favor. Uh, this is God's plan for us, and that's why the promise is so important. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that you would help us to put all of our trust in the promise that that seed whose name is Jesus Christ is the source of our blessing. Lord, I thank you that my Savior paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. 
Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your, uh, your blessings that you pour out upon our lives, not because we deserve it, but because Christ deserved it in our place and because he paid the price. Thank you, Lord, that you unconditionally love us.